turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Hi. Did you hear the last part of the introduction? And Jacob, we finally got that added on there. That would be uh, an important development, I think, for my fine young Jewish friend. Jacob, how are you doing? Uh, Sophie, I'm only hearing you in this room. I'm That's not all hearing right. you in my but earphones. Then, uh, the point is, how are you doing? I guess I'm okay, except in I, spite can't of the hear, fact that you I cannot hear, hear anything. Well, that's all right. Sometimes it's better not to hear anything. (laughs) Oh, folks, thank you for joining us. This is The Bible Live. We make our way through this book of books every year. We've just finished our 16th time of of going through the scriptures together. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, all the way through uh, to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the way through to the New Testament and into the final book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation. We just finished uh, the book of Revelation about, what, two weeks ago? And now starting our 17th time to walk through the scriptures, uh, commenting each week. Uh, we have a, a reading schedule that we follow uh, that we, we no longer have the weeknight program where we actually read the scriptures if we could ever gather the resources to do that. I, I, I wish enough uh, San Antonian believers and, and others would, who believe in the book and its power and its benefits to us would help us. Uh, we could put the, uh, the Bible back on the airwaves here for our city, for our region. 
let people hear the scriptures, the Bible itself, every weeknight. We'd love to do that. Uh, it's just a hard burden to bear. Uh, we need need some help. If some of you would be interested in in uh, making an investment and helping our city hear the scriptures each night, we can return to that. Uh, just let us know. Just get in touch with me. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and figure out how we can get her done. But uh, we do still have the same reading schedule. And this past week, uh, we read from the book of the Exodus, the second book of the uh, Pentateuch, the Torah, uh, Exodus chapters 6 through 25. And these are very significant. Well, what chapters of the book are not significant? Uh, but the the chapters, Genesis, Exodus, they are also formative, uh, fundamental to uh, our experience as believers today. They're built, so many of the principles that we live by in our time from the scriptures are settled and set in the time of, of uh, Moses here. The time of Genesis, the book of Exodus, so many of the principles that guide us in, in our understanding of the scriptures, of God's redemptive plan, and of how God wants us to live in this world today. Uh, all, a lot of the principles, the foundation, uh, foundational principles are found in these opening books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, the Torah. Uh, of the Tanakh, the Old Testament. And um, so then what we're going to do, quick comment here, is that we're going to uh, go ahead and finish Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus here in these next uh, week or two. And then we'll head just in time for the time of Christmas, the time of celebration of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, whom we believe to be, uh, whom I believe firmly to be, to that long-awaited, long-promised Messiah, that Redeemer that we read about in the Scriptures. Uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus at this time of the year, of course. You know it is Christmas. So just in time for that, we'll jump over from the uh, Tanakh, from the Old Testament, and we'll read the first book of the Gospels, the first book of the New Testament called Matthew, the book of Matthew. And uh, we'll read about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, and his life and his ministry. And so uh, we'll, we'll just we're kind of making our readings fit into uh, the, um, the camera, the, the camera, the ca- calendar uh, that we have here in our own society and culture. Now, speaking of calendars, that's one of the things that's I think one of the great lessons we get from Genesis Exodus is that. God gave to the people, and we'll read about it tonight. They, he takes them out of Egypt. Uh, we're going to read about the ten plagues that God used to uh, cause Pharaoh and, and the people to be willing to release the, the people of uh, Israel, and the, the two, me, two million or so, million and a half or so, and who's counting, right, uh, to leave Egypt after 400 years of, of bondage and slavery, uh, to leave, to go to the base of Mount Sinai, uh, to receive the Ten Commandments, God, to begin the process of building them into a nation, into a people group uh, with their own freedom, with their own structure based upon belief in the one true living God. And one of the things he reestablishes for them, and I've learned this from you, Jacob. You're gonna, if I say it it's wrong... O- it's okay. I've learned it from others. Okay. Well, if I say it wrong, though, you'll correct uh, me. Uh, that's all right. One of the great gifts that God gave them at this time was a calendar. He begins to Correct. tell them, this is going to be the first day of the year for you. This is He going gives to be it this. in chapter 12 of mm-hmm. Exodus, and, and he, he gives it the day before the night of Passover. All right. God's so excited, he can't wait till the night of Passover. <laughs> and, and, and you know why, right? 
why he gave him a calendar. Right. Because only free people need a calendar. And why? Because they are in charge of their time. And they, they own they, their they own they, days. They, 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 a slave know. doesn't need a calendar because he doesn't own his own he days. He does what he's told when he's told. And yeah. you know, But now they have a calendar and they have their own. Uh, and, and that's so interesting because later on you see uh, a great obsession on the part of the Persians and later on by the Romans. They got to get rid of that calendar, and so the one thing that they didn't allow the Jews to do uh, when they were had them had them under their thumb, uh, under their boot, we might say, uh, was they said you can't sandal. I think okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, they they said you can't have a calendar. You cannot use your uh, the dates, the festival days, uh, the yeah. Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and so on. So uh, anyway, that, it's a very significant occasion. Almost every, uh, almost every page, every verse of this of these books, is significant in some way in that it teaches us something about a God, His plan, about uh, the reality of the, the, our human experience. Uh, fascinating books, Genesis and Exodus. Tonight we're in the kind of the core, the middle chapters of the book of Exodus, chapters 6 through 25. And we have some questions for you as we get started. But I wanted to go and visit first with Joe. I think he's on the line with us tonight. And I think Joe's going to expect me to say, and I want to say, a thank you. You know, he sent us, um, uh, thank you, Joe, for the, the package you sent us. Are you there? Yes, I'm there. Oh, I'm here. Good, good. We've got some I'm here. On the line. Uh, you, you're welcome. Uh, it's because I don't, uh, the radio, my radio doesn't work, so I'm not hearing nothing. Oh, are you hearing me on the phone? Yes. Okay, there you go. Okay. And, and uh, thank you. Uh, I wanted to, uh, uh, to tell you that uh, you got everything right because I wrote the whole uh, package and everything. It took me about an hour to write the address and all that stuff. Well, that was great. Yes, we did get it just fine, and I love, uh, my wife just in particular loved the, it looks like a Navajo necklace uh, that you included. That was just gorgeous. Yeah. Really beautiful. It goes I want to ask you about that. Uh, have you heard about uh, uh, the celebration uh, that the, uh, the president gave to the Navajos uh, thanking them because for the service? Yes, I saw uh, that. About Pocahontas and all that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, but uh, I just wanted to, to ask you, do you know what code talkers are? I think they made a movie about that. Sure, yeah. They were very very famous, a well-known experience that the uh, when in World War II, the Americans were trying to come up with a code that no one could break so that we could communicate with our troops and our flights and ships and so on. And the uh, Japanese were very astute at breaking the code and learning, getting our secret communications. And so finally they came upon the idea of the uh, using the Navajo language as a basis for a code, and it worked. They, they were unable to break uh, into the Navajo language. They didn't understand it, and it became a code that uh, kept guarded our secrets and our strategies uh, effectively. And so uh, it's a very, very well-known... Um, did they do it for the Japanese only or with the Germans too? Do you know? I believe it was only for the Japanese. That's my understanding. But it could have, oh, been, okay. it could have been both sides of the both oceans. But uh, I hear okay. it usually stressed about the Japanese. I can say yeah. something in Navajo. Yatehe? No. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, hey, Joe. I can say yes, something sir. in Navajo. It's Yatehe Shakish. Shakish. What is Shakish? Shakish. 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 Yatahe Shakish. You know what that is, Joe? No. It's what's happening, Grandpa? 
That reminds me of Taben. How is she doing? Who? Your, your, your grandson. Oh, he's uh, you got a good memory. He's he's doing well. He's uh, getting excited about the holidays coming up, you know. Oh, okay, Jacob, I want to ask you about Hanukkah. Uh, is that uh, because in the Bible, uh, John 7 says that they celebrated the festival of lights. Is that talking about Hanukkah? It is. Actually, it's John 10, 22. How's that? Okay, yeah, that's right. Uh, and it says, it says, yeah, they're doing the festival of lights or dedication, that kind of thing. And if you look down at the notes, usually you'll see it says Hanukkah. So we know this that Jesus was keeping Hanukkah. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Does that make it e more in does that make Jesus more interesting? Well, in I I find it fascinating that here he is Jesus and he's keeping Hanukkah. John, I think it's John 10:22. I see you frantically looking there. So, uh -huh. uh -huh. well, uh -huh. read it. Read it. What's it say? Uh, John 10:22 says, uh -huh. "Now this is a New Living Translation." It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. Oh, they actually use the word uh -huh. Hanukkah? Yeah, they do. He was oh, in, wow. in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade or Solomon's Porch. The people surrounded him asked, ask him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus said, I've already told you, and you don't believe me. The, the proof is in the work I do for my father in my father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and so on. So, yeah, it goes on from there. Well, what's he, interesting, though, and I think Joe's driving at is uh, we, got, we have Jesus actually recorded in the Christian scriptures as keeping Hanukkah. Yeah. yeah. So, so does that fall on, on December the 25th or not? A, he was a Jew, we know, a very dedicated, committed, Who practicing Jew. Who told you that? Jew. Who told you that? <laughs> it would make sense. <laughs> Go ahead. What did uh, you ask? Does, does that fall on December the 25th or not? Uh, Hanukkah. It, uh, it'll always be around approximately the same time. This year, is it's a little off. It starts on the 12th of December and goes for eight days, ending on the 20th, I guess. And, oh, okay. Uh, and, but many times it's in within one or two days of December 25th, yeah. Oh, uh, Jacob, I also wanted to tell you something about uh, Exodus. Uh, I don't know how good you are at connecting dots, but uh, Exodus 12, the, he says that they put the, the blood on the, on the lentil on the doorpost and all that stuff so that the angel yeah. of death or the angel of the Lord wouldn't uh, come in and take yeah. the firstborn. Uh -huh. Okay, was that the angel of death or was it the, the Lord? Because on some, uh, on some it says that, uh, that the Lord saw the blood and he uh, passed over that that's house. Right. That's, uh, that's correct. Uh, but then he says that the angel is there, so I don't know what is it. Actually, both are correct. It does say okay. the angel of death. And then it said when the Lord saw it, or God saw it, he passed over those houses. Now, I have a return volley for you, Joe. You ready? What? Yes. Why? Did he put it on the lentil door frame? Why didn't he put it on the windows or the roof or cover the whole house? The Why? chimney. The chimney. <laughs> Why the door frame, Joe? Okay. Mm, I don't know. What is it? You tell me. You're the expert. Well, I don't know if I'm an expert. I just know what others have told me. He's an me. expert in his own opinion. <laughs> it's because 
It's a circumcision. Is that what? A circumcision. He says it's a circumcision. Oh, okay, I, I got actually, it. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's the same word uh, for the uh, the circumcision. And oh, okay. A, a bris? Brit, a, a bris, yeah. And so what you have is on the door frame. Now, all the people in the house, and you've seen probably the old movie with Charlton Heston, The Ten Commandments. Is that right, Joe? Yeah. Okay. And in there, there wasn't just Jews. There was the Egyptians and some slaves from Africa and everything. So everybody was in that house. So if you look at the house as more or less a body, and when they come out of the body, I don't want to get too graphic here, but that's the same idea of a circumcision coming out of a body that causes a lady to get pregnant, and you end up with children. So I get it. The children are in the house, but they're circumcised out of death. I got, I got it. Wow. That's good. I understand. I don't know if I buy it, Joe, but okay. <laughs> well, I'm open to a better explanation. What you got, Sophie? Well, I just take it. Uh, I like the old blood on the door lintel better a little bit because it's. Well, that stretches my imagination. Well, and of course, it's symbolically pretty apparent, I guess. But it's also uh, it's also actually actually the same word. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can get it, and I do kind of get it in a way. Uh, I don't. I've never looked for a significance in that in itself for some reason or other. Uh, I know that sometimes I, I think you may have heard this, Joe. At times, uh, I've heard uh, Christian preachers talk about. Uh, on the on, on the door on the sides and on the top and that kind of makes the idea of a cross I've, I've kind of heard that I mean I'm yeah. not sure there's any basis for it really but they, in my mind I've kind of pictured it that way now I've heard this explanation and I, I, I don't see any, I don't, obviously don't see any particular danger in it and it may well be the picture that is understood uh, and, and that is actually communicated there uh, is that generally thought to be as Well, a, you, you almost can't avoid it because it's the same word. Now, the let, same let word, me yeah. take, uh Let me take your example of the cross. Yes. Uh, let's go ahead and picture this. And I'm going to actually work with your example. <laughs> okay. So you got the cross, and Jesus is on the cross, right? Yes. Uh, and you got blood, right? Yes. Well, when you look up at a cross, it does look like the doorframe or a lentil of a house. And it is actually the idea of... Uh, of the looking towards, you might say, the door of heaven. Uh huh. So okay. it is there. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. It's not contradictory or any way, and I don't see it. As I said, I don't see it as like anything serious, contradiction or dangerous or anything. But uh, it's just such a new thought to me. Um, it's hard for me to change my. Uh, it's, but I do get it. It's the same word. There's no way to escape that. And uh, so they use the blood for protection as well as for redemption. Uh, in that instance, it became a protective yeah. ritual that they showed their faith in God by doing by obeying, and the angel of death passed over. Uh, um, it, yeah, it, it's a very interesting thing here that happens. Uh, they've gone through these nine plagues, and God is kind of insistently, insistently working to reveal Himself to the people of Israel and to the people of Egypt as well. And uh, and uh, the idea is to. Uh, move them toward the idea of releasing, letting the people of Israel leave. Uh, and finally, you have this, the most severe, I suppose you would call it, the most severe of the plagues is the taking of the first child of each family. And they have this this uh, precondition. The, uh, if, 
If you put this, the blood on the uh, lintel, uh, you know, they have to sacrifice his lamb, of course, uh, and then the blood is placed on the doorway, and then they, they eat the lamb that night in the uh, first uh, celebration, the first observance of, of uh, Passover. You know, they have the lamb, and there's a certain uh, way to prepare the lamb, right? And, uh, and they were to eat with their shoes on and with their ready yes. to go. Right, and, and even today, uh, you know, it's, you, you read the book, and uh, there's a, there's a, it's a kind of a story. It's the Haggadah. It's a story. And um, there's and you actually have uh, the same idea. You're dressed and ready to go. Uh-huh. And so yeah. it, it is fascinating. Uh, uh, Jacob, I, want, I wanted, uh, like I said, connect the dots. It's for something else also. Uh, that when on, on the lentils, they put the blood right. But in nowadays, turning up uh, to modern times, when uh, uh, they have like like football players who play their games right, they put circles and X's. Uh-huh. But if you come if you combine those together, uh, people who want to go into the into the houses nowadays, like Christmas, they put those those marks on the lentils too, uh, circle and an X. That's yeah. being, that means that you're being targeted for uh, 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 for robbery. <laughs> I did not know that. Thank you for that information directly. Now, is this the voice of experience speaking here to us? <laughs> well, not me, but I have walked through sidewalks where they're, they're markings, and I didn't know what, what it was. Lovely. And that was really actually a guy who was being paid to to scout around the neighborhood and, and look for houses that were uh, good for, for, for that uh, practice, and he would mark the sidewalks or the doorposts. Well, I'll be darned. I, I, I had never heard that, but I'm paying attention. <laughs> and, and do it because uh, remember when you had your incident, Jacob, and I heard it on a TV that on Columbus Day there was a robbery at a yes. certain, and they gave the address. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was robbed on Columbus Day. So, right. yeah, I remember that through about you got it, you, Joe, you have an excellent memory. Hey, Joe, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Okay, so let's say uh, we've actually got Moses here, and he's coming and talking to Pharaoh, coming and going, coming and going. Moses, uh, Moses is obviously a Jew. How come he's not out there being forced to make bricks with everybody else? Yeah, that's a good oh. point. Oh, that's true. And how because is it? Said, and how is it that Moses is able to enter into the Pharaoh's presence almost at will? You see him coming and being welcomed into to having an audience with the Pharaoh and so on. It seemed like not everybody. Yeah, Pharaoh. For you would think the first thing first say, "Hey, what are you doing here? Get out there and start making bricks." Yeah. Why, why was Moses favored? Did he reckon, uh, probably he recognized him that he was his brother or something, and probably because <clears throat> uh, he didn't. Uh, he didn't know that he, that he was a Jew. Oh, yeah. He knew he was Jew because he kept saying, let my people go. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, it's, so here's, here's the It's interesting, though, that he thought of because we forget that he was, uh, Moses was raised in the palace. He was, and, oh, yeah. and, and yeah, Pharaoh would have recognized him. So, okay. so certainly Joe's got that angle, and that's certainly correct. Here's another idea. At what the end it? of Genesis, remember the fellow named Joseph? 
Yes, sir. Okay. He, as one of his rules, established when everybody had to uh, take food and sell themselves and everything to Pharaoh. Because of the great famine. Yeah. Because of the famine. The only, th- the only group that did not have to were the priests of Egypt. So Joseph made a rule, and you'll find it in the book of Genesis. He made a rule that the priests of any religion do not have to comply with the same rules for the rest of What in the world is going on? Oh, all right, so... Um, anyway, so, and what tribe was Moses and his brother Aaron from? Levites. And what are they? They're the priests. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't know that. That's good information. Uh, hmm, uh, see you, uh, thank you, Jacob and, uh, and Sophie. God you bless bet you. You friend. Thank thanks, you. Joe, for calling in. Yes, sir. Bye. And thanks again for that wonderful gift. You send a nice package to us. I'll have to give you your part. No, once no, I, no, no. Once you're... I finish eating with you, eat it, and I'll give uh, you. I understand. Part. You're going to eat the necklace. <laughs> hey, so, yata hey, shakish. I'm doing all right. Thank you. Steigute <laughs> uh, is a greeting in Apache. So I, oh, so I, I thought that was like German. I don't know. It sounds like, doesn't it? Well, folks, there's our music, you, and you said, what's going on? What's going on? Are you surprised by our bumpy music? Is that the idea? No, John is smiling. I'm oh, not surprised. Right. It's our time for our, the end of our first segment. We're going to take a brief break, but we'll be coming back. You can call us as well, ask questions, make observations about the Bible, uh, about uh, any part of the Bible, but we're particularly looking at the Exodus tonight, if you'd like to weigh in. And uh, who knows, maybe we can ask some questions and let people give a shot at answering them for us. Like, what is thought to be the oldest recorded song in the world? It comes out of Exodus chapter 15. What is the oldest recorded song in the world from Exodus 15? Give us a call if you'd like, 340-9585, and we'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait, and I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to Dr. DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or WeisingerLawFirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. The 322 prophecies tell you where he's going to be born, how he's going to be born, how he's going to grow up, what he's going to say, how he's going to die. You've even got the number of coins that will be used to betray him. 
This is Focus on the Family Minute, and British evangelist J. John reflects on the numerous biblical prophecies about Jesus. Do you know what the mathematical compound probability is of 322 prophecies being fulfilled in one man at one moment in time? It is 1 over 84 with 100 zeros. In other words, it doesn't happen every day. Well, those prophecies point to the undeniably divine nature of Jesus Christ. And you'll hear more from J. John today at FamilyMinute.org. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Mary, did you know that your baby boy one day walk on? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know? You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. love that song that is one of the most powerful christmas songs i, I just i just I, I love it i love to think about the idea that uh, of, of this little young jewish girl and and after all those centuries of waiting the great promise of now we hear things jacob and and here in the gentile world you know the christian world of how uh, we th- and, and I don't know how much of them are true. So maybe you can. We hear that every every generation and uh, among the devout practicing you know Jewish people of through the ages there that every generation of young women would have that child and they would always the always the dream the idea was maybe I'll be the one maybe the the re- maybe the Messiah will come and, and that they look forward to that and was and that and that um, and, but it finally happened. It's a little humble little. Jewish girl named Mary from Nazareth. Now, why why was he born in a manger? Well, there was no room for them in the inn. Oh, (laughs) very good, Sophie. That that's better than what I was going to say. I was going to say he's born in a manger because he's it's completing the motif of the lamb. Lambs are born in a barn or in a manger. So it's right from the beginning, he is, it was mm. meant to say he's a lamb. Yeah, and, and we already talked about in the book, what, is it Genesis where we saw Genesis. the, the, the uh, what, it, what, who Sukkot. was it? Yeah, the Sukkot. No. Uh, when, what, was it Jacob that went there? It was Jacob yeah. that built it. It's the only place in the Bible where a piece of land is named after an animal, which is a Sukkot. 
easily translates to a small manger. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that and, we and it him, is at Bethlehem, by the way. It is at Bethlehem, which is an astounding thought to me. This well, you know, whoever wrote that book was not an amateur. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And like and like Joe just called in and said, connecting dots. Well, that is that's an astounding thing about the scriptures. You know, I mean, they, they just the, one thing connects to another, to another, to another, and and. Uh, it, it one kind of a beautiful, seamless tapestry that we come out with, that, that the plan of God, his the redemptive plan for us. I, I, I just love it. But that particular psalm, Mary, did you know? And, of course, we, we know that she did know, as we understand from scriptures, that she had been told uh, that this child is going to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Jesus, the Savior of the world. Name him Jesus, meaning Savior. I, I just I love that song. I'm glad we came back with that. John, you did a good job with that. Uh, that particular bumper. I, I really enjoy hearing it. John is very proud of himself. He ought to be. He ought to be. Let's see here. Now, what we, 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 we well, co- we're going to talk about, uh, what about the first plague and why? Okay, yeah, we're in Exodus. Moses is coming. He's insistent. You know, God, the, we have these ten plagues and culminating with the uh, the plague of the Passover. You know, the firstborn child is taken from every family, every home that does not have the blood over the door sill, as, as, on the sides of the doorway, as, as they were instructed. But that was the last plague, and the, and this was, uh, and this was um, principally, primarily among the people of Israel, of the ones that knew about the blood on the in the preparation. But it, I guess if an Egyptian did, yeah, it, well, I like in the movie with uh, Charlton Heston, Moses, that kind of business. If you watch that movie, you'll see that people knock on the door and they open the door and let other people. And in fact, traditionally. When you do the Passover Seder, that's the meal, uh-huh. uh, you're supposed to leave the door open so anybody going down the street that would like to come in is welcome. Wow. Same I- picture there. That's wonderful. Same idea that's in the movie. Another picture, a little bit of a picture of the ark in a way, you know, that you could come into the ark. Ark in a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. Ark away. Noah and, the, and his boat, they called the ark. Well, anyway, we have these beautiful pictures of God's redemptive plan of oh. salvation and so on. Uh, and it, but you asked an interesting question, and why is it? Why was the well, let's see, what was the first plague in the uh-huh. first place? Uh, the first plague was turning the water of the Nile into uh, blood. Now why? Uh, and why? Yeah, exactly. Why? What was it? And why? Why was the? Was it because the Nile was considered to be the uh, Nile is a god, a pyre, an Egyptian a pyre, god, uh, Egyptian uh, god, and and so you're completing the motif also of Moses. The, the Pharaoh's daughter takes, she said, the, the God Nile had given her a child, Moses. Uh-huh. So you've got that motif working. Wow. And so, so she. So that's another reason the Pharaoh might have let Moses into his presence. <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, perhaps. Uh-huh. Anyway, but, um, but you've got, remember, like in the movie, you know, they go up and they take the staff and they smack the water. Yeah. And it all turns to blood. Well, why in the world would that be the first plague? Well. Would, do you want to discuss it? Or do you want to wait well, somebody call? Or you want no, to yeah, I think you ought to discuss it. But uh, don't aren't all of the plagues, or almost all of them, uh-huh. in some way related to the false deities, idols, yes, and so on of Egypt? All, the, they're absolutely gods of Egypt. Okay, yes. so this one is the the Nile. The Nile is, is a god, is, is, and so okay, so there's one reason uh, the Nile. Is, uh, as to why, well, uh, let me give you a hint. Well, it's all to show the sovereignty of God. The, the well, yeah, but, you know, those are card tricks. Okay. So, I mean, if God wants to turn the sky butterscotch, he can do it, you know? He can make dots, and we can connect dots, whatever. <laughs> those are, but so it's got to be more than that. Okay. 
Uh, there's a great play. Not a parlor trick. Okay. And, uh, well, that's right. Because there's a great play, and I won't go into it, but it's called, I saw it years ago. I used to go to a lot of plays. It's called Steam Bath. And you can actually see it performed live on the Internet. Uh-huh. And it's about a janitor that runs a place, and all these people go in there. And uh, and so the guess one guy says, I really want to see it. Are you? He finally figures out that this guy is an angel or God or something. And he says, are you God? I want to know. He says, well, what do you want to know? And he says, show me something. Prove it to me. And so he pulls out a deck of cards and does a card trick. And the guy says, that doesn't prove anything. That's a card trick. And, and the, the janitor says, if I were God, it's all card tricks to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so... The point is, but then in the play, okay. it's great because, and then the janitor in the play snaps his fingers, and suddenly the whole place lights up so bright you can almost can't stand it. And then he snaps his finger, it just comes back to normal light. And he says to the guy, you mean something like that. <laughs> now, what's it called? Steam bath. Steam bath, all right. Okay, now back, the, back now to back our to topic. This. So Why was so there's got to the be turning a meaning of the Nile here. into blood? Okay. Yeah. Well, what? Let me give you a hint. What happened? Where did Pharaoh kill all the babies of the Jews? Ah, uh, the little bodies were probably thrown into the Nile. Like I'm Sarah guessing. says right there, they were drowned in the Nile. So all the alligators and everybody, they, they ate them, of course. And, and the next morning after this killing of the babies in the Nile, the Nile would hide it because it's nice, placid river again. It's very smooth. It's very. You, you could actually sit by the river, and the Egyptians could sit by the river the next day and have a picnic. Wow. The only people who would know what's in that river would be the children whose children, I mean the Jews whose children was killed and put in that water. And we uh, need to remind the listeners of that this uh, was a, as a precursor to the plagues and to the God taking the people of Israel out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happened was that... Uh, uh, the Pharaoh commanded that all the male children uh, among the right. Israelites mm-hmm. be killed. Yeah, and and, and that's and we they see were, they Moses was in, delivered from that. That's right. Now all the slaughter. kids were in the Nile except Moses put into a basket, and that's how the daughter of the Pharaoh got him. Okay. Now, so what he's doing is he's it's all hidden, it's all covered over by the water, but now. The, what their their horrible crime was of killing all the babies mm-hmm. has now everybody, including the Egyptians, has to see the blood they caused. So the first thing they experience is the blood. You see, isn't that remarkable? All these plagues are certainly all gods of Egypt, mm-hmm. but they have some meaning with them. So this would be God exposing to them and exposing to them the reality of their sin and of their the, the perversion that brought this uh, about, reminding them of their guilt and of their the worthy of being of judgment. Uh, oh wow, that's that's a very profound thought. Uh-huh. It, and, and it gets to me, it gets profounder when you think about: is there any? Could God be? Well, let's go. Going, would he would he do that today with now a, let's tie, a nation? Well, let's tie it up with the idea we were just talking about previously about Passover. Now, what was what did Pharaoh do? He had all the babies, the firstborn of of the the Jews, the babies killed. The now, ma- the males, right? The males. So uh-huh. now he jumps over. Now we jump over to the final plague, the the Passover, etc. And when all the people, the rulers of Egypt, passed through, they the took the male of their families. 
That's the point. I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to rob you, but it just, oh, I see. Yeah, that. well, that's okay. As long as we get it, that's important. I, I, don't, I don't care if I get the credit. I just, everybody should get it. Okay. So when they pass through the water, Pharaoh's army, they drowned in the water. If they had died in any other way, we would mess the point. Now, certainly some of them died. The firstborn died at night of Passover in the, by the angel of death. Mm-hmm. But also his generals, the other people that participated, uh, the secondborn, the thirdborn, and all generals, and you became generals, as I understand it, by being in, a, in the certain families that get that. So when they die in the water, had they died by fire, well, now- plague, or disease, we would miss the lesson. What they participated in happened to them. And they drown just like they drowned the babies. Mm-hmm. So the first plague and the last plague have a certain unity to them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I'm sure they do. And there are a lot of dots to connect and a lot of points to make. And, and, and uh, they make sense. They really, they really do. Well, here we have God, though. Another constant difficulty of some of these passages is this concept of... Um, God hardening Pharaoh's oh, heart. Oh, we're going to talk about hardening. Yeah, I, I think it's the question we need to face up to. And frankly, folks, if you'd like to call in anything about the, uh, let's say, the time, uh, the 10 plagues of over Egypt and what happened and how it happened and what it means to us. I'm, I'm particularly interested in some of these. Do they have a, of course, they had a significance in that moment. Uh, people of Israel call, calling out uh, his people out of Egypt. God establishing, reestablishing them as a nation, performing. We see a little, uh, uh, we see a nation building going on here. We use that phrase a lot today. And God is now going to build them into a nation, not just a, a, a mob of slaves and so on without an identity and all. But now he's, they're going to have an identity. They're going to have a calendar. They're going to have uh, priorities and they're going to have uh, principles that guide them. Uh, I mean, the whole nation building process is going to take place. But this, it's all this this bringing them out of Egypt. And we see that as a picture of, of uh, ultimately, as a picture of re- redemption. You know, the well, way actually, the word in Hebrew for Egypt is Mitzrayim. Which means? Which means uh, locked in, like the boundaries of sin, you might say. So these people were locked into the boundaries or the barriers of sin. And they were let out of sin. So your mm-hmm. idea of leading out of captivity mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. sin is absolutely correct. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a picture of the bigger picture. Of, of God's people being brought out, brought out of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of sin, and, and set free in liberty. But but we have this idea here of God. It says hardening Pharaoh's heart. Now I I don't in myself for some reason I don't have a I've never had a particular problem with that concept. Well, tell us what you understand and what traditionally it's understood. Okay, I. I'm not sure about the traditional thing, but I've always thought of it well, as... You've been a practice preacher for 30 years. What do you mean? You're not, I know, I don't know. Don't let but your audience down. <laughs> I have to have an opinion, yeah. Well, uh, I, I just see it that the same thing could happen to two different people. And on for one person, uh, this is one thing I saw growing up in the orphanage, uh, there were 
400 boys at the orphanage. We all lived the same routine. We all got up at the same hour in the morning. We all milked the same cows. We all... You all milked the same cow? Yeah, well, same cows. That must have been a very tired cow. <laughs> no, cows, plural. Yeah, we, we, we did the... We, had the, we lived on a ranch. It was working. We, we worked in the fields and did the thing. And so we all had the... And we heard the same sermons and we went to the same school. We had the same life experience in general. Uh-huh. And yet some... Uh, received it in one way, gratefully and gladly, and made the best of it, and, and took advantage of it, and and uh, progressed, and, and received the blessings and the benefits of of having a home when they didn't have a home before. Mm-hmm. Others didn't. Others uh, considered it a prison and rebelled against it, and so on and so on. And they went on. You know, many of them, after uh, leaving the ranch, they went on to prisons here and there across the land you know they i mean they've conti- so i can just see the same so they just wanted to fit in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah as you were talking about what was it penitent uh pins uh, yeah uh, well you, whole- you dropped your pin at the beginning of the show and you said give me the pen i said well that's right because uh, <laughs> it gives you good penmanship yeah. if you're in the pen uh, i don't want you to give me the pen that's uh, the, that's the point but but i guess that's the point is that some some, the experience of living at the ranch and at the the boys' home and so on, homeless, delinquent children, for some of them it produced rebellion and uh, hardness of their heart, in a sense, uh, resistance. And for some, it proved to be an experience of breaking and, breaking and softening our hearts and and leading us to a life of you know repentance and humility and uh, to be on a different path entirely. So... I, the idea that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, I'm thinking to me, it just the the same events that blessed the Hebrews and and the Egyptian people that repented and so on followed them out to the produced repentance and and hope and, and new life and and freedom. And yeah, but, those, but if if God is hardening, but God is the author of 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 it all, right? Well, but if God's hardening Pharaoh's heart. So Pharaoh has no choice, and then God punishes a guy that has no choice. Then you're painting a rather harsh God. Okay, all I'm saying is that it's all in the context of free will, and that he gave them two options. The fact that they they chose one as as opposed to the other. Who, Pharaoh? Pharaoh doesn't doesn't deny the fact that you want to you want to say Pharaoh in Hebrew. Pyro. <laughs> yes, okay. okay. But, pyro, okay. Uh, hey, Pharaoh. Okay, okay. Okay, so, but if But he, anyway, you but get the idea, but I, him, I but think the principle you're going to mention kind of has the same uh, point in well, it. Well, if God makes him do it yeah. and then punishes him for it, you have your fine example of a Greek god, you have a fine example of an Egyptian god, but you do not have the god of the Hebrews. Well, okay, but look at it. In a sense... Uh-huh. God is the author of both. I mean, he also made the people of Israel uh, and those who did put the blood on their doorposts and so on. He made the, he's the author of their humility, their brokenness. He's He made, in a sense, his action caused them to respond the way they responded. On the other hand, his action caused Pharaoh to... I mean, we can't deny that God... Pharaoh is, had never made a covenant with God. No, but he could have released the people. Who, he, could, who could have? Pharaoh. He could have said, yeah, it's right. Or it's not right. if God's forcing him to do it. No, no, but we know that he could have. I'm saying he could have. Uh, 
if he wanted, he could have uh, obeyed mm-hmm. Moses and said, okay, you know, you're right. The people need to be able to live in The go. first three times, as I recall, the first three times, it says distinctly, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Yes. Okay? Yes. Now, depends what the word hardened means. I'm going to suggest from the Hebrew it means exactly opposite. His arms are too short to box with God. Okay. And at some point, when it says Pharaoh was a strong guy, he was strong, he hardened. If I lift weights, my muscles get hard. So right. it oh, I see. Strength. Uh-huh. So I, so hard bodies. So that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he strengthened himself. But after a point, you start getting a little weak because you realize, man, I can't box with this God. And you start getting intimidated. You start getting weak and somewhat uh, afraid. Afraid. So what it was meaning is, is that God wanted to make sure Pharaoh had free will to make the decision to let them go or not let them go. He wasn't going to make Pharaoh obey and then punish him. That would be a very unusual God, unless you're Greek. Um, but, uh, But so the idea was when he started getting weak, in fact, there's a line that comes up in about the third, fourth plague it is, and God says... And Mo, go ask Pharaoh to let you go again, and you can say to Pharaoh, "I see you still have not. You're not willing to humble yourself before me." And so, well, and that line would make no sense if God's making him do it. So what he's doing is he's actually doing the exact opposite. He's making him strong, hardened, so that now he's up to the task to have free will. He's not being beat up and pushed around and forced to do things. So Pharaoh still gets to have his free will. Mm-hmm. Now, you're right. Pharaoh, at any time, could have said, you know, this is the right thing to do. A couple times he did. Mm-hmm. And then he, but then, and then he would change his mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second mind he changed to didn't work any better than the first. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but he said, so what he was doing. So the understanding is, is that God was hardening, in other words, making him strong, taking away the fear so Pharaoh retained his free will. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 like, I, I like that. I like either one of them, uh, the, the ideas there, because I, a lot of people struggle with this whole point of the sovereignty of God and its seeming, or at least superficial, conflict with the free will of man. And yet uh, I, I've never really struggled too much with that. I've always figured, well, God is sovereign. That's an absolute truth. Uh, he, and he, for example, in terms of human eternal destiny, uh, we have these two ideas of heaven or hell. I, we're not, I'm not trying to tell exact what each one of them is in particular, but one, let's just take one. The idea of essence of heaven is to be eternally at peace with with God and God's people for eternity, and hell is some in some way, shape, or form, whatever it means, to be separated from God in His goodness and His mercy. In some way, the consequences of our rebellion and sin. I don't see either one of them. Both of them are options that God has created, and God, we have those two options that He has given us. So we do have a real freedom. We make the decision between uh, knowing God or not knowing God or being at peace with God, being reconciled to God or not being reconciled to God. Well, we I, have I, the freedom. I hear what you're saying. And yet both options are his. So Both I, options are his. But so I, in must, a way, I, uh, I must tell you that that description for me, and I hope that for others, that's right. that describes Zeus. 
of the Greeks. Hmm. They are amused, and they like the torture of human beings. And they, they have this, the no, gods I, are I, always hard. I, I didn't say what hell was. I didn't put it in form of torture necessarily, uh, although some of the imagery yeah, we Yeah, but I'm saying is that it, but we see the, all these old movies about the Greek gods, and indeed they had this thing of being amused by the, the turmoils and the troubles they did for human beings. And so for me, that would be very troublesome. Well, we do see pictures, uh, I mean, I don't want to go off too much on that imagery, but uh, there are passages that talks about God mocking and God laughing at his enemies and so on. But uh, the idea is that uh, our power is nothing compared to his uh, there are passages that talk about that. Talking. Laugh, you know, God laughs at his enemies and so on. Uh, I know even in the uh, even in the Tanakh. Well, I you're uh, looking I, at me I like show me that interesting <laughs> If a Chihuahua comes barking at me like it's a German Shepherd, yeah, and I do find that amusing. Yeah, it so is. I think that completes the idea that if a Chihuahua, you or I, start bucking at God, well, he's good, may find that somewhat amusing. Yeah, I, I can understand it. I really do. But I, I um, again, though, I don't see it as a conflict between God's sovereignty. The free will of man is not an absolute truth. We we do have free will. We choose, but we choose, we choose from among the options that God in His sovereignty has given us. So it's it's a we do have free will. We make a real well, choice we do, ourselves. But the story is, Pharaoh. If it means hardened his heart, he t- he had his free will taken from him, and then God punishes him. Well, that's if, one way of looking at it. Yeah, that's what I've traditionally heard from certain sectors, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. I would just say he. Well, the same you, experience, like I said, the boys at the boys' home. Yeah, but the same you, experience you, can would produce. Would you agree with me that that's fairly well a Christian take on that? I don't think so, Jacob. Really, really. No. I don't believe so. But, but, folks, you tell me. When your preacher talks about uh, the plagues and the the exodus from Egypt, the, uh, the, the is it presented as a way that God made Pharaoh? Uh, resist him, God made Pharaoh reject him, or God, by the circumstances, produced a situation where where, where Pharaoh's choice, Pharaoh's rebellion, rose to the well, surface I and manifested itself. I can tell you where itself. I think the idea is coming. Because mm-hmm. in Exodus, it does say, God says to Moses, he will not let you go mm-hmm. uh, except by a strong hand. And then he says, and... Uh, I, through him, I will demonstrate all my power. So that idea gives a thing, well, that Pharaoh was being made to do it, then punished so God could show off. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. If, if, but like I said before, <laughs> you know, when you sit down to the scriptures, you've you got to bring your brain to the table. You know? Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah you've got to bring your brain to the table. You've got to think about it in light of what the rest of the scriptures tell us about God and his nature. And you put them together and you come up with an understanding of, of how this works. The dynamics are, are it, it is. You're listening to them. For sure. Well, there we are. You are listening to the Bible live. And we're going to have to go away again, Jacob. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel afar. Uh, we're at that season of the year, folks. I hope you'll give us a call if you'd like. If you have a question or comment, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your particular uh, church or denomination or teaching about this idea of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. What happened there? What does that actually mean? How do you reconcile that with the idea of uh, Pharaoh making his own choice, uh, a free 
freedom of choice. I think Jacob has a great explanation. And uh, well, it's not mine. We'll look at I, it. other people explain. This is Christmas, joyous Christmas. Every pure heart is filled with a song that is praising the Savior for the glory and the blessing. That has brightened our way since Jesus was born Christmas Day. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Wonderful counselor, silver bells, down from his throne to a manger. Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Everybody sing along. There we have another example. Thank you, John. You're on a you're on a roll tonight. Those are some of our uh, baptized Christmas songs. There's the old favorite, uh, "Silver Bells." It's Christmas time in the city, and someone has written some uh, Christ-centered lyrics to the song, and uh, I like them a lot. I, kind of a novelty, and uh, hopefully, if you'd like to have a copy of those, I can send those to you. Uh, there are five of them. Um, let me see. Some of the, I've got and if you order today, get the combination hearing aid, Vegematic. And the, the cup, uh, the, 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 sharp, the really sharp knife. It just cuts everything. <laughs> anyway, there you uh, have Kato, it, folks. KTO, 8-tracks, and, and LP. <laughs> These guys are having too much fun in my expense. Uh, there we're back. We're back for our final segment, The Bible Line. We're looking at the book of Exodus tonight. And what were we talking about? Pharaoh's heart being hardened. I think we've uh, yeah, I I've think. answered that question definitively for all time. I've clarified it now. It makes sense to everyone. So we can move on to simpler topics. All right. And so God's voice sounded like what in Exodus 19? Thunder. No. Uh, the morning breeze, John? Oh, the chauffeur. Yeah. Chauffeur, sounds, yeah. Okay. And so, all right. He sounds like a shofar. If you say so. And well, it's, it says so. Shofar, so good. Yeah. So it, it says so. But anyway, so then we get over to uh, chapter twenty, the Ten Commandments. Uh huh. Now you know. Uh, recently, I, I did speak. I told you I went up to a college and was speaking to this couple classes, and uh, one of the issues that the students were asking, which is a legitimate question, that says, "Hey, I understand. You know." They said, this one person can't believe in God because God allowed slaves. And they said, oh, that's so great because you know what? If I had a God that's allowed slavery, I must tell you, I probably would get me another religion and another God. Now, wait, I've got to ask a question here. What do you mean allowed? Is there a difference between causing and actually uh, supporting and actually commanding slavery? Or is there the idea that God... Does allow God men does, to enslave other men. Something. We're going to. Uh, we got a couple of minutes. We're going to learn something. This is along that same God sovereignty, free will uh, of men thing, right? I, I want to tell you something. God, yes. of the Bible, yes, never allowed slavery. In fact, it's a death penalty. I'm going to show you the verse. Oh, go ahead. Hang on a second. All right. But see, we're we're, cro- we're talking at cross purposes here because the sentence that you just said, uh-huh. to some degree, is nonsense. Uh, uh, do you agree Would that, that be to the forty-second degree or what? No, no, I don't know. But do, do you, <laughs> I'm just trying to be dramatic, <laughs> using all the big words I know in one sentence. I'm about to run out of them, so I'm going to. No, but wait a minute. 
you're not denying that slavery has happened, right? Well, I don't deny that people murder and commit adultery and okay. rob banks. I don't deny that either. Then you have to admit that God has allowed that. No. He allowed You mean it. these things happen? Uh, God, that yes. just can't be true. Yeah, of course it can. People murder and people rob banks. People commit adultery. But in his spouses cheat on spouses, boyfriends and girlfriends cheat on each other. That's the world we That's live in. That's people. That's the world God created. You ask the question, did God allow it? And the answer is absolutely not. Um, I think the answer is absolutely yes. He did allow well, it. If I were he a betting man, I would own your car in about two minutes. He created the option. Oh, he did. People, so they got the ability of free will to make bad decisions. Absolutely. Now you got it. On their, yeah. Well, they got that from God. Well, they got free will from God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in a sense, God allowed them to make bad well, decisions. Well, let's see what it says. That's a good, I, that's always a good impulse. That's uh, a good thing to do. Now, in the Ten Commandments, um, it says in uh, chapter 20, verse uh Let's see, verse 13, in my version, but uh, okay. it says, uh, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, which we know people, human beings do, and you shall not steal. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not sure how it's numbered in yours, but I'm looking yeah. at the one that says you shall not, not steal. steal. I know that means you shall not man steal. You shall not steal. There a, you a, go. A, not steal a man. Now. Holding that in mind, that's what that word meant. Now, holding that, that's chapter 20. Uh-huh. Now, flip over with me, if you will, to those thrilling days of yesteryear in chapter 21. Uh-huh. And, uh, and look at verse uh, 15, I believe it is, either 15 or 16, but let's take a look at 15. Yes, it is. And here, chapter 21, 22, 23 of Exodus is explanations of the Ten yeah, Commandments. Yeah, an expansion on there, yeah. Uh, so we can understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, what does, uh, I don't know, what does your twenty-one sixteen say? Kidnappers must be put to death, ah. whether, whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them uh-huh. as slaves. And this is explaining the word steal in the Ten Commandments. Now, the original King James, the old King James Version, in that verse, we use the word, instead of kidnapping, that's a modern word, mm-hmm. they said, anyone who steals a man, using the same Hebrew that's in the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. of stealing, mm-hmm. anybody who steals a man and sells him or forces him to work for him shall be put to death. So God said slavery was a death penalty. Okay. So, I don't have any problem with that. What? what? See, you're you're mistaking the concept of God endorsing, encouraging slavery, mm-hmm. and the God, the idea that that it is allowed that by cre- when Adam and Eve were in the garden, mm-hmm. there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they could disobey, which they did. Which they did. They gave, They had the option of obeying God or mm-hmm. disobeying God. Uh, and both options had consequences uh, that God had pre- ordained that would be the consequences of them, and, and they did. Uh, but God didn't make them choose the no, wrong tree. But He gave them choose the, to what we might call free will. He gave them, in a sense, uh-huh. He gave them the freedom to disobey if they wanted. I mean, yeah. if that's what they're doing. That's right. Well, the same thing here. They can disobey these commands. And, that's right. But, and the, they but, did. but the question that you presented to me was did God. 
And God, his position on the issue is you cannot have a slave. But he gave you free will to break his laws. Okay. God allowed, he allowed that because by giving them that free will. Now, 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 this, I know and understand it's semantics, but... It's Are you anti-semantic? Anti <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pro-semantic. I'm pro <laughs> that's a good play on words. I had to, to remember that one. One, <laughs> one for the Jewish fellow there. <laughs> All right, here we go. But but no, don't, uh, you know we we bump yeah. against this a lot. Yes, we do in our conversations. Yeah. Because, and I understand your perspective. Yeah. And I I appreciate it, and I agree with it that I don't believe God is to blame. That we can't, but on the other hand, that God gave us the it's part and parcel of our free will that God gives human beings even the ability to reject Him if if that's in our hearts to do. So, um, let's go, let's go and take uh, we've got a caller, don't give up on us. Uh, our call screener has just gone to put out another fire here in the studio. But he's back with us right now, and we'll find out who we are and get your call on the line. I'd love to hear from some of you, maybe even about this question. I, uh, I, okay, go ahead. We don't live and breathe. And well, we here's the point is there's only two ways in the Bible that God himself explained that he wanted slavery. One is if you're a thief. And uh, I steal a thousand bucks from you. I can't pay it back. I got to work it off. During that period, I work it off. I'm a slave to you. And during that period, you're supposed to teach me the Bible and right from wrong in that business. The second way is, let's suppose, God forbid, your wife needed surgery, needed 150 grand. I loaned you 150 grand. And you didn't have the money to pay me, and you'd have to work it off. That's the only two ways that there could be, quote, unquote, and in Hebrew, the word is eved. And so that's kind of like a quasi-slave. But that's what it's talking about. So, God, that's the only two ways. It has nothing to do with kidnapping a man, stealing a man. These guys coming out of uh, Egypt, they hated slavery. They'd had their fill of it. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't want that. I'm sorry, did you want to take a call? Well, yeah, well, let's go and talk about Esther. Esther's going to set us straight. Esther, help us out a little bit. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking the call. I wanted... Esther, we're getting a lot of echo in behind you. You're coming in twice because of the radio on behind you. If you don't mind, either turn it off or lower it down. Okay. There you go. Let me move away from it. I wanted to uh, weigh in a little bit because what you're talking about, whether uh, God uh, forces you to do, like hardening the heart of Pharaoh and all that, Mm -hmm. uh, free will and all that, and why would God, uh, it seems like he forces people to do bad things, and you wonder, do I have a choice at all? And I think for me, and it might help somebody else too, uh, there is uh, in the law, uh, God is talking about um, the people who uh the poor in the land and it's very important how it's worded uh god said there should be no poor in the land the way he set it up giving everybody their inheritance and the ability that their animals would bear and all of that he said there should be no poor in the land and then he 
continued on and he said, if your poor brother comes to you uh, seeking help, that's why I've given you extra to help him. So, you know, it is because we live in a fallen world and, and, you know, the end game is to get the restoration. In the meantime, man will always, seems like, stumble and fall and fail. And, you know, the, the, uh, so if you're poor and you stumble, <laughs> there is a good God, uh, above who has provided more for somebody else to help you. And that doesn't mean that, you know, if there's poor among you, you should feed them because they're not working. You know, they don't want to work. They just want you to give them grapes and fan them. Mm -hmm. But if you're poor, because you just can't get stuff together. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, there are those among you who can bless you. They've been given more from their labor. And that, that helped me a lot to understand, mm -hmm. uh, you know, otherwise there should be no poor. And yet there will be poor, but don't worry, I'm taking care of it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Within the context of freedom. Uh, yeah, it's it's more complex than just yes or no, black or white, that... We know right. God's intent, and yet there is freedom in that, and there is a there is a a solution that God has given in the case of poverty, in the case of being poor, like you say, from injury or from bad decisions or whatever illness. Uh, then there is a provision that God has made through Himself, through Him, God and His people. Uh, that we love enough to where we're yeah. able able and willing to share. I, I think it's the same principle yeah. at work. Is that the reality? The reality is such that poverty is discouraged and it will not exist in, in heaven, but here on planet Earth, where we experience both good and evil coexisting, we're going to experience slavery. We're going to experience poverty. We're going to experience murder and, and thievery. You know, thank you very much, Esther. I think that's very well said and a, and a good. We all wrestle with this at some point in our life to try to figure out how do we balance these truths. Yeah. Thank you for calling. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me share. You guys are doing a really good job tonight. Yeah, we bless you. <laughs> it seems like the more we differ and the more we struggle with things, the better jobs we're doing. But And that's good. I think folks enjoy We have to, I, I, like I said earlier, we have to bring our minds to a study of the Scriptures. You just can't come in and just be spoon-fed. Every little thing is makes perfect sense. The world is complex to some Do you extent. want to know why it, in a, another lower level uh, it also could apply? You could. Mean, you mean in a lower level like this? Mm. Or are you talking? No, not really. Or at a higher level. No, not, okay. not really, get, but, right, but okay. All right. Uh, but here's the idea. So I can steal a piece of a human being, and how do I do that? Let's suppose I, you go to work and you make your money. You go down to a store and you pay $75 for a nice shirt. Okay. And I steal the shirt. Okay. I haven't just stole your money. You traded hours of your life to earn the $75. I like that a lot. So I'm stealing the hours of your life. I'm stealing a man when I steal your property that you spent your life hours to pay for. That's exactly. We have to remember that money, in that sense, or, or possessions, they are simply an expression of, well, money in particular is 
is is just a uh, what, that's what is, the is lower it, level. I was it's referring an exchange. To. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, an element of exchange. You know, we're turning in hours, our creative abilities, our skills, our intelligence, our our the sweat of our brow. We're we're turning that into an exchange that we use money and we use that then to to buy things that we want. I like that picture because it, it's something we need to be reminded of. On the other side too, when we give, as Esther is saying, when we give to uh, another person in need, when we give to a ministry or to a mission project or something, we are actually exchanging time we spent at the typewriter, That's time right. we spent digging That's a right. ditch or laying a foundation. Sure. We're exchanging that time well, into and, time. And I, I personally ministry. have wanted this many times, uh-huh. and I'll share with you. Oh, yeah, good. Um, I have wondered Sharing what, is good. what would have happened, uh, let's say, in the South in America, where they have had slavery. We uh-huh. all know that. What would have happened if they'd have put in the Ten Commandments in the church houses, you shall not have a slave? And then it's a death penalty. Now, that's exactly what 2116 is talking about. Now, if I say steal, I'm letting it talk about your radio or your tennis shoes. Well, see, you guys didn't do your job. No, I'm going to tell you what happened. That was your job. No, I'm going to tell you what that happened. That was your Jewish job. Uh, the Hebrew. You that, knew the Hebrew. Yeah. You knew what it said. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah. you ever tell us? Yes. Oh. It, in fact, it's written in your Bible. Every English Bible it's written in. And, in, and, in English, And by you the got way. killed for telling us, I no, think. Uh, right? No, actually Probably. what happened. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what happened. And you're being from an Apache ancestry. You can appreciate this. I'm sure I will. Um, but here's what happened. Is generally, now I'm sure there were some, uh, the Jews that supported slavery and lived in the South and had probably slaves. Mm-hmm. But as a general rule, the Jews did not have slaves. That doesn't mean they wouldn't break the God's laws and do it. There would be some that would for sure. In other words, there were godly, believing, faithful Jews, and then there were other well, Jews I'm gonna prove that it were to not. You. Yeah. You, you want me to prove it to you? Sure. Okay. I don't need proof, but okay. Why, well, you should not. You should ask me. Go, go ahead and ask <laughs> I'm, me. I'm not going to do it. I'm, ask me. Ask me. Okay. You, please unscrew the inscrutable for <laughs> ah, okay. me here. Explain I, this. I, I thought you Explain might ask. Explain that to me, Lucy. Yeah, I thought you might ask. <laughs> it's this. Uh, General Grant passed rule number 11. The Jews in Tennessee, Alabama. The one, this is the same one that's buried at Grant's tomb? Is that? Or no. Oh. Grant's, Grant is not buried in this tomb. <laughs> okay. Did you know that? He's not buried there. That's a, that's a monument. You but, get more controversial with every sentence. Well, but out. he's buried underneath it. Oh. At, any rate, <laughs> at any rate, the point is, is that so. Uh, the g- general rule number 11 was this, uh-huh. that the Jews had to leave Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and I think Kentucky. And they couldn't take their property with them. And, uh, they had to take what they could carry in a suitcase. Yeah, Anyb- not, a lot of, not a lot of people know this. Listen, listen. I would like anybody in Google, Google General Grant. Look at Wikipedia. General Grant Rule 11. And what happened is one of the reasons is, is because the Jews... And this was the rationale. Then I'll give you the reality to it, okay? Uh-huh. Well, the, reason, the reason ostensibly was given was that they were buying cotton, and they were interfering with the common cotton market. Well, who the Jews were actually buying cotton from was the recently freed slaves, and that interfered with the market. That's the reality. But what ostensibly was given as a reason was this, was that, uh, if the Jews did not, as a general class, did not support the laws of the South, in other words, slavery, 
then they were unloyal to the South, so they would clearly be unloyal to the Union laws. So many of them had to leave without their horses, their donkeys, their mules. They had to take what was in their suitcase. And a lot of people don't know that took place in America. Now, to the credit of Abraham Lincoln, when he heard of it, he corrected it. Later, General Grant, when he was sober, because he drank a lot, uh-huh. when he was sober, he actually corrected it. When he ran for president, he, uh, he corrected all of his stuff like that, and actually enjoyed the support of the Jews in New York. There do you it find, is. Do you I find it? I found it right there. You're, that's what I'm, that's boy, what you got this right. December 17, 1862, uh, Grant issued this uh, order, f- was issued as part of his u- a union campaign against the black market in southern cotton, which Grant thought as being as mostly run by Jews you. and other unprincipled traders. Uh-huh. And so he unprincipled <laughs> meant that they were actually buying cotton from the recently sleed, sleed, freed slaves that would grow some cotton and try to sell it. Yes, uh huh. They were responsible for administering trade lines and trying to control the black market. Uh-huh. I don't know what I meant by black market. Well, the, black what market. it was is the cotton traders yeah. that had the big plantations want to make sure they still ran the plantations. And no, and, and I'm not getting down on anybody. Sure, I'm sure. just giving a fact. Yeah, these are the They facts. wanted to control the cotton market, so they grew the cotton, and nobody could buy cotton except from them. And following the protests from Jewish community leaders and the outcry by members of Congress, President Lincoln revoked the general That's order. That's what I was telling you. Took 4th, Lincoln's 18th, credit. Just, uh, just what? Uh, just a month later, actually, not even a month. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So the whole idea was that that was part of the Jewish uh, community response to the idea of slavery was in this because the Jews generally, as you read on and learn more about that, generally they the ra- so part of the rationale was that. I'm sure there were some that did. But generally speaking, because you shall not have a slave if you're a religious Jew, it's a death penalty. So they didn't. So what would happen is they would end up not having a slave. And the part of the rationale was is that if they didn't support the laws of the South, which allowed slavery, then obviously they would not be loyal to the northern laws either. Mm-hmm. Now, it it all got corrected, but a lot of people don't know that that was one time implemented in America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, General Grant did drink a lot. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. But the, my, my point is this: <laughs> this is the. I wasn't going to excuse him. I was just trying. Well, to I know, but my my point is this: we're talking about does God, does God say you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, or have a slave? And the answer is, yeah, God said that. Did he give you free will, which you could violate all of his laws? Of course. So in, so in a sense, in our world, in this right. world uh, where good and evil coexist, God did allow, allowed slavery, allowed murder, allowed stealing, because it's, but it, uh, he condemns it, it's command, and, and among the people of God in particular. I mean, a- everything about God is holy and righteous, and he's, but there's a reason that he's created us in 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 a world where, we're not in heaven yet, you know. We're we're still here. Good that's and evil why exist. that's why Jesus was trying to tell you, in the book of Matthew and I think in Luke, he says, "Make earth like heaven," mm-hmm. and that's his prayer. Remember, he says, mm-hmm. "Thy will be done." Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was saying it's your human responsibility to make earth like heaven, and that's what he was saying. As a human oh, being, okay. that's your responsibility. I'll, I'll take that, and uh, we'll, we'll, it will happen. It will happen. Yeah, we know it will. It will happen, but that's yet. 
Our responsibility. As human beings, yeah, our we get to collaborate with that. We get to participate, uh, but God's going to do it. Right. I mean, he's going to make earth like heaven. His will will be. Yeah, but it's not him just making it. He's telling you to do it. Yes, and I'm joining him in that command. I'm joining him in that So desire. my point is, what would have happened? What would have happened? Honestly, if the preachers in the South had stuck in their churches, yeah, sure. you shall not have a slave. And then, of course, the rest of it in 21. Mm-hmm. And if you do, it's a death penalty. I don't know what I, would have I, I wonder about that all the time. I wonder if anyone did. Maybe there was this. You know, that I don't know. Preacher from place to place, uh, this individual guy, this guy here, I'm this I'm going to guess there. if he did, he didn't keep his employment long. How about Douglas? Wouldn't, what about what the, the, the great uh, orator, the, the black orator in the north? What was his name? Uh, wasn't there a... I wonder if he did. I'll have to look that up. But... There we have it. Well, we're almost out of time. We don't want to get back into our music tonight. We don't have a question out there to answer. The oldest song recorded in the world is Exodus chapter 15. It's called the Song of Moses. Uh, he's celebrating the, the uh, freedom that they have now because of God's delivering them from a life of slavery and bondage in Egypt. So we see uh, that answer to the one question we put out there. Uh, we've talked about, oh, quickly, let's just talk about Honor your father and mother. That's the commandment with a promise. Thus shall you live longer oh, than the yes. land. Any other command, the same same consequence. Uh-huh. We'll talk about it next week. Uh-huh. Is, uh, don't chew a yeah. bird away. Yeah. But I, I know you have something to say. About I do. And since you said honor your father and mother, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a father or mother. Great. Good to be with you tonight, folks. Thanks for joining us. See you next Sunday night. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz, Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 